Welcome to Chelsea in the Meadow. I'm your host, Chelsea, and I'll be joined by my occasional co-star, my sweet grandmother, Mimi. We've spent many of our days tending to our plants and animals on East Meadow Farm, but now we are embarking on a new project, the Chelsea in the Meadow podcast. We started this podcast to help guide you through the process of maintaining your own home garden. On our show, we truly believe that everyone can grow, and we want to help you, the listeners, be successful by sharing what we've learned from our experiences as longtime horticulturalists. Join us each week for tips on how to attain the garden of your dreams. On this week's episode of Chelsea in the Meadow, Mimi and I talk plant basics, from planning to picking the right plant from the nursery to how to put it in the ground, we cover it all this week. Listen on for more tips and tricks about choosing the right plant for you. Hello everyone and welcome to Chelsea in the Meadow. This week we're going to start off with our five minute meadow update and it's been getting colder here in New England. It's dropped down into the 20s um, for some of our nights. So we've had to deal with a couple of light frosts. So we've been, we had to harvest our um, peppers, basically taking everybody off of the plants and then chopping down um, the stems, but of course leaving the roots still and uh, covering the beds with compost to kind of finish them up for the fall, and then putting remay kind of covers over the Swiss chard and lettuce beds, our beets and our carrots before we harvest those guys, and just trying to protect things as much as we can from the cold temperatures. And we also went to the Northeast Greenhouse Conference this past week, which was so much fun. We got to see a bunch of different vendors and take a look at um, different biological solutions for pests and insects, as well as um, mycorrhizal additives for our soils. We spent a long time talking about um, what we could do to uh, get some of that um, life back into our soil, something that we think is very important here, as we've said before. Uh, Anything you want to add, Meme? No, we had a great time, and we were pleasantly surprised how many people were there that were willing to talk organics with us. Uh, we're always chasing an organic soil, so that was kind of a dead end But for our greenhouse, but um, everything else was fun, and it wasn't too big. Some of the conferences can be really huge and kind of exhausting, but this one was sort of just the right size for us. Yeah, I think COVID has you know, deterred some people. I think everything is just, you know, changed with the times. So it was kind of nice having it be smaller. That way you get more time uh, speaking with the vendors and not really having to fight for attention, I guess. So we got to see a few um, plant um, nursery vendors as well, which was fun. Always great to look at that greenery and blooming life <laughs> during going into the fall and leaving all of that behind, you know, makes me think about next year. So it was a ton of fun and it gave us a few ideas for the coming year and excited about it. So we'll 
kind of jump into our episode for this week. We're going to be talking about plant basics since we've taught you how to put in your garden bed. We want to discuss how to choose the right plants for your garden. And I'm coming at this with talking to someone that might not know anything about where to get started with buying plants. And first, we want to make sure that you kind of test the waters a little bit, find nurseries around you. We always want you to kind of look for small local nurseries. So seeing what's around you and then going and checking it out, seeing the way they treat their plants, look for fresh green leaves, plants that aren't rooted out at the bottom of the pot. So I don't think you should be afraid of physically like picking up the plants and then taking them out of the pot and like seeing how rooted, like if you look at the bottom of the pot and there's tons of roots coming out of it. And then if you like took it out of the pot and it was just a root mat, don't buy that plant. (laughs) It's probably, um, it's not going to do well for you. It's going to have been in that pot for a long time in order to be that rooted. And it's hard to get the, that root ball to ever loosen up and be able to move out into your soil. So we usually like to see one that's rooted into the pot, but the ball is just still soft, etc. And they really shouldn't mind you taking a look. So um, you might, but if you're bashful about it, just look at the bottom. And if you see lots of roots coming out the bottom, then pass that one up. But we also would like you to ask them if they grow the plants themselves, and there are great ways to do it, you can say something like, um, you have so much stock here. Do you grow all of this yourselves? And there's always people in the yards to help you and talk to you about it. And if they say, yes, we do, we grow it all, or more likely they will say, we grow some of it and some of it we buy in. And that's the answer you will probably find the most because some of the, especially the annual flowers, some of them are um, grown by some of the big nurseries. Um, The cuttings come into them from far away, and by the time they get them in their greenhouse, um, they just hold them for a little while, and and then they sell them to you. So um, don't be surprised if they say they don't grow everything, but I would like to see them grow some things, because then you'll know how well they take care of everything. Absolutely. And when plants have to travel long distances, they have trouble living in trucks for that long. So if they're coming from all the way across the United States, it it's a long time to sit in a truck bed and be in these boxes. A lot of hands touch these boxes and are flipping them upside down and handling them with maybe not as much care as they need. So they can go through a lot in from when they go from the big growers to your local nursery. So if they are growing plants themselves, the plants that they grow themselves are going to be a lot happier in your ground than the ones that have to travel long distances because they get put through a lot of stress in transport. Um, and also when you're buying your plants, you want to look for things that aren't in bloom, which might sound a little counterproductive. Um, you 
want things that are going to bloom once you put them in. If they've already started blooming, that means the next stage of the cycle is to die if they're annuals or go back to kind of just being green if they're perennials or, you know, sleeping, depend on the time of year. You don't want things that are fully in bloom. It's like the cycle of reproduction, you know, plants start with a strong root and stem, and then the second part is flowers, then seeds follow, and then the plant life is done. So we want things to, you want to enjoy the flowers for as long as possible, right? We want to buy those annual plants that haven't bloomed yet because we want to enjoy the flowers and not have them be sitting out in the nursery, And the other part is they'll never grow to their adult size in a pot. So our favorite anecdote is that we love lemon gem marigolds. And if you buy a lemon gem marigold that's in color and you plant it, it will not get bigger. It will keep blooming and blooming, but it it might be six inches tall when you buy it. But if you take it home green and you give it time to develop a full root system, he'll end up being about a foot tall and a foot wide and then the color will start. So they have to be full size before they begin to flower. So the whole point is to get it into your garden and grow it into a full-size plant before the production of that annual starts. So we think the best thing to do is buy something that's green, take it home, let it get settled in your garden first and do some growing. And then like Chelsea said, you'll get to enjoy every flower it has, not just the ones that were at you know, that are coming along out later. And another little trade secret is that if it's a plant that's not an adult yet, it's still pretty small and it's already flowering, that usually means it's under stress. Because when plants are under stress, they think, oh gosh, I need to set out my offspring because I am not going to make it long. So they send out those flowers to attract as much pollinators as they can so that way they can set their seed as fast as they can so that way they can when they die it's okay. It's a, it's a way it it's almost like a signal that they're not healthy sometimes. So it's always good to just err on the side of looking for a plant that has less flowers and none at all ideally before you put them into your own ground. And I keep using the word annuals, and we said perennials, and um, we want to go into what those kind of words mean. And some of you might already know, but it'll just um, just go over a little bit about it all, just so that way we all have a pretty clear understanding of it. So the term annual refers to um, plants that live for only one season. They'll tend to have longer blooming times. Um, It could be the whole season. Um, Usually they are brighter and showier blooms than like a perennial, but it dies off in winter. So it's important to know your frost dates, right, Mimi? Yes, absolutely, because then you'll know 
when it's time for you to set things, there are a couple categories of annuals, um, and it applies more to the fall than it does to the spring, although your spring frost date will tell you when you can think about putting things in. Um, there are tender annuals, which can't take any frost, okay? And that means you can't probably, especially in New England, plant them much before the 1st of June, probably, because even May, we can have a frost. And then there are hardy annuals, which can take some frost, but that's at the end of the season, that first fall frost. Like we have ageratum in our gardens right now, which are blue and about 18 inches tall. And they're still going, even though we had temps down into the 27 this week, I think was the low and they all look fine out there and our salvia looks fine but all the zinnias are gone and other plants that we've had in and we just you know clip them off and off to the compost pile they go once they've been frosted so but yes watch your um, cycle so that you know when your first and last frost is and that's going to apply to everything that you plant right so now we'll move into perennials now, perennials have a shorter blooming time. They'll tend to specifically bloom for either the spring or midsummer or fall. They aren't usually all season bloomers, but they renew themselves each year. So it's something that doesn't die um, and you won't have to replace it every year. It sounds, well, it sounds easy. And some people think, that, oh, I'm just going to plant perennials then because then I don't ever have to touch them again. And that isn't really the case because they re still require care. They need to be fed. The tall ones need to be staked. After they've been in the garden a few years, some of them, like daylilies, need dividing, which means you lift the plant up and take a sharp knife and cut it into some pieces and put a piece back and find a place for the other pieces in your yard. So, And you need to cut back dead flowers off them as they're coming. So things like rutabecchia, the fall black-eyed Susans, as they come out, they look beautiful, but you do have to jump in with your clippers and keep the dead flowers off to to show off the fresh flowers that are coming, but you'll have them out there for probably six weeks to go. And I would think six weeks is about a time for perennial to, to uh, shine for you. So, but I think they change. And what Chelsea and I want you to know is if you try one and you really don't like it, doesn't mean you have to live with it forever. You can always take it out and you can try somebody else, and they're going to come in shorts, heights, medium heights, and tall heights. So you'll arrange them in your garden from front to back. So we're going to talk about biennials next. Um, these take two seasons to complete a growth cycle. Generally, they are green the first year, don't have many flowers, maybe none at all, and then the second year is when the flowers come, but after that, they are done. They're not going to produce for you, really. They're 
gonna die. Um, examples of this would be foxgloves or hollyhocks or campanula. <laughs> the uh, the best ho- the best one to describe for you is hollyhocks. And if you love hollyhocks, my feeling is you always plant them out back against the old shed because the first year they'll be green, the second year they'll have flowers. They drop all their seeds on the ground, and those guys are in are green the next year and you get lots of them coming up and um, all these little hollyhocks sprout everywhere and you just leave them they get thicker and thicker out there and then those guys will bloom the second year and after a while they get going so that you always have some every summer and they come in lots of different colors and but it wants to be back a little bit because it can look kind of messy when you're up close with some on the verge of dying and others on the just coming. And so I always think they need a little space between you and hollyhocks. So, um, cause you don't want to rip them out just because they're starting to have some dead leaves on them. So they have to go through the whole cycle. So, but hollyhocks are great if you have a space for something like along a fence or somewhere that's not too close to your house and they grow five to six feet tall. So they make quite a statement. Yeah. I think all of these Uh, whether it's an annual, a perennial, or a biennial, they're all going to need a little bit of work to keep them maintained. Everybody needs a little bit of maintenance every now and then. So some will need um, deadheading and cutting back and always feeding and sometimes staking. So just making sure that you are... Plants do need work. I think a lot of people want perennials or biennials, so that way they have maybe low-maintenance gardens. They can just put something in and then, you know, walk away from it and not worry about it. But it's really hard to find something that truly needs that. I think everybody needs, you know, maintenance and care, so it's hard to just ignore a plant um, in that way. And don't forget the big W word, which is called weeding. (laughs) Yes, weeding. (laughs) If you're not going to mulch your soil, then weeds are going to come. So mulching is always a good idea. (laughs) Unless you have chamomile, then it comes up everywhere no matter Matter what. what. That's what we weed in our garden. We love chamomile. (laughs) So beautiful in the spring, the the foliage is the prettiest, brightest green, and then they're covered with the little white daisies and four million seeds. Yeah, <laughs> so we so soft too. So we keep scruffing them in with our trowels and things like that because you can only have so many. So. Yeah, you can only have so much chamomile. <laughs> it's like a whole yard of chamomile wants to grow. Right, right, right. Uh, and the other thing we want to say is that plant all of these things in combination with each other. You can't just have a garden that's only perennials or it'll be so boring. They grow, like I said before, in these stages and they have specific colors for each season. Mimi was talking to me about it. It's almost as if nature told it to be this way. In the cooler spring season, they show uh, cool cool colors. colors. Yeah. Yeah all the blues and soft pink and white. 
And then as the summer starts to heat up, so do the colors. You get the hot pinks and hot reds. And then as it moves into the fall, you start to get the rusty, more maroon colors and oranges. And the the colors don't happen crossing over each other. So you have to fill in areas in your garden with annuals and things to brighten it up and by any biennials as well, it's important to have the combination planting with each other um, just to break it up and so that way you have a more lush and full garden for sure. So now we're going to move on to planting and transplanting. Now this might be the most important thing we teach you. You need a fertile soil lightened with organic matter and as you Dig the hole for planting. You want to add one tablespoon of the ideal fertilizer for whatever you're putting in. Mostly it's a general uh, fertilizer that's on the market like we told you. We use plant tone by Espoma. And um, you're going to put a tablespoon of that in the hole and stir it around so they're not going to sit on pure fertilizer. Just mix that in in the hole and then Chelsea will take the next step. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Place the root ball in the hole and fill the hole with water. And you want to let that water sink into the soil and let it drain through and hopefully it's not sit the plant isn't sitting in water for a long time. If it is, then listen to the other episodes about how to make your soil Less water retaining. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> Make right. It add more drainage in there. Yeah, it should drain away right before your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That would be ideal. And then after it drains away, fill that hole back in with um, yummy dirt and soil for the plant and then firm around the plant. And you don't want to. I guess it depends on the plant, how you firm it in and the way you're planting it in, the way I like to do it is sticking my fingers around it, making sure that the roots get soil in and around them. But um, but depending on the size of the plant and things for what you're putting in, um, you might use a different technique, but you want to make sure the plant is solid and isn't just going to fall over if a heavy wind comes through or right. strong wind. Right. And I always want to make sure you know that if the plant tips over while you are filling the hole with water, I don't really care. What we're trying to do is get that root ball nice and wet and the soil underneath. So then when the water seeps away, just stand that plant up straight and then push the soil in around it that you just dug out to make the hole and then press all of it in and plant it at the same level that the root ball is. You don't want to bury it a lot deeper. You want to plant it right at the same level. And you want to keep it evenly watered. And this is just for even like once you've planted it and filled it all in you, through that process, the way to keep it healthy and make sure that it takes in the ground is to keep it evenly watered. And so you want to make sure that it's moist under the surface of the soil. And when you water, watering, um, keep the foliage dry. As we know, water can spread disease and allow um, 
viruses and things to get in. So we want to keep that from happening. So making sure that the water really only goes on um, the soil and avoiding the foliage as much as you can um, will allow for the plant to perform its best. And you should only water when the soil is dry an inch underneath the surface. So get your hands dirty, dig underneath the surface, scruff it up a little bit, and look an inch down. And if it's still just as dry as it is on the top, as it is an inch down, then it needs water. But if it's moist under there, then it doesn't need water. You can hold off for a little while. And you also... Again, making sure you mulch. Mulching not only helps keep weeds away, but also retains the moisture of the soil. So it'll also allow you to water less. And once you've put these plants in, you can stake tall ones. Um, this keeps them from falling over and breaking stems and things. So it's good if you're going to get... Um, a heavy storm or something during the summertime to stake and you just put um, a stake in and then use some string, some gardener's twine to hold up the stems and you can just tie it onto the stake, but don't do it too tightly to the stem because you don't want to like break circulation or something like that. Right. We do some of our vegetables, but mostly we do Things like zinnias, which we love the color. Um, sometimes we'll use a cage, almost like a tomato cage, because the plants get so huge. We'll do cosmos. We'll do, I think I even did our salvias this year. And we just buy some of the green bamboo stakes at the store, and we just push them into the ground and tie a loose, uh, like Chelsea said, garden twine around it. And you won't see it. You, you do it well enough and hide it along the stem that you don't see these stakes. But if you don't do it, you'll be surprised. You'll It usually happens in like August when the plant is like 36 inches tall. And then we get a rainstorm with wind and they start going over. And it, you can bring them back up the next day, but it never looks quite as nice. So, uh, yes, yeah, so stake your tall ones and and give them a good chance to uh, perform the way they should for you. Absolutely. And now we're going to move into vegetables a little bit and just picking at your vegetable plants. And really, we just want you to do some planning and thinking before you go out and buy any of your plants from the nursery. We want you to know how much space you have and how many plants you can fit in it. You don't want to put your plants too tightly together. You don't want to overcrowd. So only buying enough plants that you truly need for, to fill that space. It's going to be awfully tempting when you get there. And if you aren't organized, you're going to go home with too many things. So yes, so make a little plan for yourself. Draw a picture of the garden. Put in the plants. And you may have have to look some of them up to know their width and their height and you would always put the tall ones at the back of the garden and the short ones at the front so um just make sure you have an idea we don't want you to come home with 18 tomatoes when you can only fit three you know so um absolutely make a plan and have an idea of what you need before you go and you also want to know roughly 
when, um, for like harvesting and things, for just when you're planting, you, things take time to mature and you can usually, the seed packets or plants will say like, it'll take this many days before you have a ripe tomato or a ripe bean or whatever. So planting with that in mind, so that way you're going to harvest at the time that you want to harvest. Um, just planning that out, um, something we think about here at East Meadow. Um, and then also you want to plant with pests in mind, right? We don't want to put things in that the animals are going to love and want to take all of it away for you, right? So you want to plant things if you're going to be planting in an area that's not fenced, don't put things in that might get eaten by crowned critters. Or if you know that you have an insect problem of a certain insect, maybe shy away from things that um, get eaten by those insects, I guess. So just keeping those kind of things in mind will help your garden be successful. And when you're buying your plants, you'll be more successful. And the last thing we really want to say is that keep your garden clean. And this means all your trimmings, dead leaves, deadheading, any kind of clippings that you have, don't just throw them on the ground. Because if it's, um, I think with like tomato blight is a good example. When you have tomato blight and you're and it's on like one certain plant. And if you're just cutting off the leaves that it's on and then throwing those on the ground, it's going to spread to your other tomatoes. You're putting that into the soil and keeping it around. It's almost that you want to quarantine these plants and things. If you're seeing disease coming in, you want to get those diseased leaves as far away from your other plants as possible. So areas that um, that you see like a ton of aphids coming in, a plant that has a lot of insects on it, cut, cut the leaf that has the eggs on it or squash all the eggs as much as you can and um, just watching over because by keeping eyes on it, you'll keep less things from coming in and spreading. If you keep your garden clean, it'll be also more successful. And there are lots of organic, um, safe-for-you remedies if you do run into trouble. So be careful if you've got trouble. The first thing we always try is a little bit of dish soap in a spray bottle with a quart of water. And then we'll go after them. Usually insects are on the very tips or things, and we will try spraying that way. And usually it takes a couple sprays. If caterpillars or somebody else, I mean, we had a lot of tomatoes hornworms this year. And it was interesting because they were only on two plants. The end, each plant was on the end of a row. So she obviously came in and lay eggs on the two of them and then disappeared. Takes a couple days to really notice them. You see these stems that have no leaves and then you're like, oh, oh we better well look because she can hide so beautifully. And then we just pick them off and get rid of them and hope the birds eat them in the woods. So, um, so there are things that you will watch for. And if you get them don't get nervous it's just it's just a process yeah it's all part of gardening I mean these things happen it's just part of nature it's built into the system that's why we have 
predators like birds and um, other insects as well will take care of some of these pests that we don't like. There are biological solutions to these. So nature works itself out. And um, if you're using organic methods, it'll never become too much of a problem that you couldn't solve. That's the whole point of nature, right? If we when we start imbalancing it with chemical products and things, that's when we get over blooms of aphids and things that need to be treated chemically. It's a cycle. So if we don't partake in that cycle and don't add the chemicals to it, then we won't need them. We'll never, nature always just works itself out. And we want you to keep in mind that the reason that you're going to all this trouble is to grow the kind of quality of food in your vegetable garden that you're choosing to eat. And if you're like us and you grow into a gardener, you're also doing it because you enjoy the time that the, that you're there. I mean, the happiest part of our day is when we get all our house chores done and then we, we all head for the garden. And usually each one of us has a separate job we're working on. And it's just a time when, you know, the air is beautiful, the sun's shining, and there's always the pool to jump into if you're too hot. And, uh, but it's good exercise. It makes you feel well. It makes you feel strong. It makes you feel happy. So you want to make sure you enjoy the time that you spend in your garden. And hopefully it won't be too much if you weed and you keep your eye out, like Charles said, for insects and you get on a feeding schedule, you're probably going to feed like once a month. Just know what week of the month you do it and just fit it into your schedule. But all of it should be a joy to you. So that's that's our real goal. Right, right. This is all for us, all for our enjoyment and our, we get to reap the rewards of it. So if you're not enjoying it, why do it, right? But we'll make sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for listening this week. And I hope you all have a really great rest of your week. And hope we see you next week. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button and the little bell so that you are the first to know when we've released a new episode. Feel free to tell your friends or anyone that might like to listen. Another great way to support us is by rating us on the Apple Podcast app. This allows other listeners to find us more easily so they can check us out for themselves. Lastly, we want to thank those of you that have decided to donate to the podcast. It allows for us to pay for our equipment and software so that way we can continue to make the content that you all love. If you can and would like to support us in that way, there are links on our website, eastmeadoworchard.com, and also in the bio of our Instagram page, at Chelsea in the Meadow. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. This show was brought to you by Red Circle. It was edited by Chelsea Braz. Our master engineer was Ben Braz. And a special thanks to Barbara Dombrowski, Kristen Braz, and East Meadow Farm and Orchard for helping us make this possible. <laughs>